Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, and it reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I am Pastor Corey, and it is always good to be with you. Today, we are wrapping up our series on Jesus's seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And as we wrap up this series today, we begin the season of Lent this coming week on Ash Wednesday. And our Duke intern, Savannah, who just read scripture, will be preaching on Wednesday in a service that will be made available to you virtually, as Pastor Adam mentioned. And we do encourage you to come by and pick up one of our Ash Wednesday worship kits to go along with that service or to even do a personal meditation on your own. This season of Lent that we are nearing calls us toward self-reflection upon our own humanity, and upon our deep and desperate need for God's salvation. So as we prepare our hearts and our minds and even our bodies to enter into this season, I think Jesus' words from John 15 prepare us well for this movement. Jesus' final I am declaration comes here as Jesus is preparing the disciples for what is to come, as he prepares himself for what is to come, what will happen. Ultimately, his crucifixion in the chapters that follow, and he is deeply aware that these events, as we can imagine, will not be easy 
for the disciples. That his suffering will lead to their own suffering and that his pain will lead to their own pain. And Jesus knows that there will be this period of uncertainty and doubt that the disciples will inevitably face. So Jesus must prepare his people. Jesus has to say the things they need to hear. He needs to say the things that will sustain them when he's no longer beside them in the flesh. Jesus has to take some time to tell them the truth. As Pastor Adam taught us last week, Jesus tells them, I am the truth. So we can trust these words. We can cling to these words. In the midst of all that pain that is about to come, Jesus chooses to say to his disciples these words. I am the true vine. That's what you need to know. In verse 4, abide in me as I abide in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the true vine. This passage hit me hard this week. I have seen all of these posts and memes on social media. I've heard it talked about on the radio and the news that many folks are reaching a new level of pandemic stress and suffering. We're in this strange in-between. Vaccines are coming, thanks be to God, but not quickly enough in many people's opinions. The rollout seems messy and in some ways disproportionate. Then just this week, we've been subjected to never-before scenes of unbearable violence and suffering in our own country. It's heartbreaking and scary. The uncertainty that rages within us for what's to come in other areas of life. When will the students go back to school? When can we begin to, work, to dream once again of when we will be together in worship, I can't wait. I had a recent exposure to COVID that kept me home until I could make sure that I was cleared to come back to the office, and I was. But that isolation, as many of you have come to know yourselves, it's just hard. This is all hard, and I know we keep saying it again and again, but we're going to keep saying it because it's not getting any easier. And then, of course, this weather. Oh, this weather. It hasn't even been kind enough to give us the solace of soaking up some sunshine and fresh air. It's relentless. I know I feel like I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel many days just to keep it together for the sake of my own family's relative peace and sanity. Then I think about all the access and privilege I have. So many people are suffering so much more, and the weight of that collective suffering, it weighs heavy on many of us. We just don't know what's coming. That we know. That we just don't know. So we find ourselves this morning in John 
15. Jesus continuing to prepare the disciples to tell them what they need to know in order to survive what they will face in this world. Because they don't know how to endure. They don't know. As Pastor Adam mentioned, Thomas, the disciple last week, he quite literally says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? We don't know. And I love this moment because I think this is what Jesus wants them to acknowledge. Jesus doesn't chastise Thomas. He answers him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. It's not about Thomas and the other disciples knowing the way. It's about Thomas and the other disciples realizing that they don't know the way that they don't have the answers, that their ability to live as disciples doesn't come from their own strength or power or purpose, but from Jesus alone. It comes from the very acknowledgement that we don't know. So John 15, this is what Jesus continues to speak to them. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. And a few verses later, I, he says it again, I am the vine, and you are the branches. What does this mean? Well, branches are dead if they aren't attached to the vine, to the life source that gives them everything they need, sustenance, water, growth, and purpose. The vine gives the branch purpose to bear fruit. But if branches decide that they don't need the vine or they never needed the vine, that they can somehow do this on their own, they lie there on the ground. They wither and they die. They decompose. They have no purpose but to exist unto themselves until they no longer do. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you anchor yourself, if you can abide in me, I have a promise. It won't always be easy. It will require pruning. It will require us to allow the vine grower to prune or to cleanse us from the parts of ourselves that seek to detach us from the vine and render us fruitless. It won't always be easy because we're still exposed to the elements, to the scorching sun, to the relentless rain, to insects and animals and illness that may cause us harm. But we aren't without hope. We aren't without strength. We aren't without perseverance because our hope, our strength, our perseverance, it doesn't rely upon our own selves. It relies upon that rootedness, that connectedness to the very vine. In verse 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm sure there have been moments, probably recently, that you've said that. I got nothing. Nothing left. Nothing to give, nothing to contribute, nothing. The disciples felt this way when they faced feeding the large crowd that had gathered, they tell Jesus, we have nothing to give. 
And I wonder if in those moments we can, we can reach to feel for or turn inward to see what are we attached to in those moments? What are we anchored to? What's the false vine? What's the false vine that is calling the shots in our lives, that's dictating who we are in this moment? Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our our familial role or our marriage or our body image or our education or an addiction or our socioeconomic status. What do we anchor ourselves in begging that it will tell us We have something, that we are enough or we are worthy or somehow we're going to survive because we have this thing to cling to. Friends, as we lean toward Ash Wednesday, I confess it breaks my own misattached heart to tell you that all those things that I just mentioned, they're dust. Do they matter? Sure, functionally and personally, we all need jobs and community, but they do not make us matter. They do not make us matter. That may be hard to hear, I know, because in a superficial way, they can make us feel like we matter, but they can fall away as quickly as they come. There is only one true vine, only one source that gives us our true worth. There is only one place where our rootedness cannot be compromised. The disciples needed to hear this because what they were about to experience, Jesus is about to be taken away to be executed. It would remind them how fragile everything we take for granted truly is. In that moment, and in the journey that would follow, they would need something much stronger than themselves or even one another to cling to. So they clung to this truth. I am the vine. You are the branches. Jesus is telling them, be rooted in me. Be rooted in my love. Be rooted in obedience to me. Be rooted in your pursuit of discipleship. And this amazing thing will happen. I promise that not only will you bear fruit despite the hardships, despite the sun, despite the rain, despite the insects and animals and illness that seek to cause you harm, despite all of it, Not only will you bear fruit, but you'll have joy, like real joy, abiding joy. And you'll even, in the midst of experiencing this this fruitfulness, you'll experience, and we can imagine what what that fruit might be. We can look at Paul's words and imagine the beginnings of what that fruit might be, the fruits of the Spirit. We can think love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. All of those things, when we're rooted in the vine, we don't have them yet. Maybe we're 
we're getting there, but we will be changed in this process. Branches grow, they transform, they don't, do not stay the same. But the vine remains the vine. I listened to a podcast this week about love. Happy Valentine's Day. But not just about romantic love, but love in many forms, societal, familial, even political love. And the conversation struck me because the ultimate thrust was, none of it comes naturally. None of this love comes naturally. Love is rarely intuitive, maybe for our children. But more often, it takes effort and discipline and practice, lots and lots of practice to love. And I think about the fact that the disciples, they only follow Jesus after Jesus initiates a response from them. It wasn't intuitive to follow, to love even Jesus. It took effort and movement and a willingness to trust and be transformed and a recognition of their attachment to this vine, this need to be rooted in Jesus as the very reason they need to love, to bear that fruit. And so in this time where we feel so disconnected, maybe from the root, from one another, and distracted and honestly fruitless in many ways. I'm taking this season of Lent. I want to take this season of Lent to explore what am I attached to? Where is my rootedness? Where is my love planted? And I have this desire to like feel the dirt in my life, to figure out what is nourishing me, what is cultivating my growth, or lack thereof. I want to be pruned this season. I want to be rooted, re-rooted, not in the dust, not in the dust of this life, but in the true vine, in Jesus. I want to encourage us and to challenge us to consider Jesus' words this morning and to ask ourselves throughout these next weeks as we journey toward the cross and toward Easter, what are we rooted in? What are we rooted in? Let us pray. Vine of life, in your branches we are nestled, taking shelter and sustenance in the shade of your strength. With thanksgiving, we celebrate the growth and hope we have found in placing our roots in you. For in life, you nourish us, and your Holy Spirit encourages us to reach our full potential in the gifts we have been given that others may know of your love. Lord, make us more than sour grapes 
and unripe olives. In the hardships of the world, may we look beyond the bitter politics and divisions to find your love at the core of our relationships. There, may all people work with what we have in common, that we might grow to be a people of respect and trust. May our branches bow with the weight of the fruit you have bestowed. Help us to look beyond our own needs, to recognize those who are hungry for food and love and justice. And may we offer others the shelter needed under the weight of your branches, so they find a rest from the cold and darkness, the hatred and loneliness of this world. Instead, may your spirit enable us to value the gifts and talents of all your people. May our leaves soak up your light. Will we meet those who are worn down with illness, loneliness, grief, and abandonment? May the light of your presence shine in the encounters they have with others, that all might know your compassion, gardener of all life, as you trim and shape us for your purpose. May we place our prayers into your hands and trust that new seeds may grow from tired and empty thoughts. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.